0: Welcome to the More Than Entrepreneur Podcast. Here's Josh, ready to deliver you more than you would ever expect
1: from a business podcast. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the More Than Podcast. I am your host, Josh Payne, and I'm super excited about the guest that we have on the show today, Jared Button. Uh, I will go into a little bit about Jared and uh, his accomplishments because he is a... um, I don't want to say he's not pompous in any way, because if you know him well enough, he definitely has a, a little bit of that competitive edge and a little bit of pompousness to him, and he should because he's he's achieved so much at such a young age and really in such a short time. But um, Jared has projected himself um, throughout the 2 men in a truck world and been on a path of success for about, what, seven years? Seven years, yep. Seven years now. Um, and I'll allow him to get into it a little bit more, but when I say coming from, you know, the very lowest of positions and working your way through the company. Um, Jared is that story. So uh, Jared was actually, I think, one of the second or third movers uh, that we ever hired, you know, at our very first location. And uh, Jared is now the owner-operator of our Canton, Ohio location. He is going to be opening up his second location in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is going to be opening up here soon. So he's got a ton of knowledge just in regards to, like, You know, doing the hands-on hard work and making sure you're doing it at a high level uh, and placing yourself in a position to be looked at for management opportunities, working through those opportunities, um, and then ultimately putting himself in a position to change his family tree, which he has done. So, without further ado, what's up, dude?
0: Yeah, it's great to be here, man. I kind of took me off guard when you invited me on here, but I appreciate it. I'm super excited um, to be a part of this. You know, I've been listening to the More Than podcast, obviously, since you started. and I hope so. Really just... uh,
1: yeah, it's cool. So, thanks. Right. So, give us a little bit of background about you. I hit on it briefly, but, you know, tell us just about you, you know, your like your family, like, you know, where you come from and, um, you know, what attracted you to, you know, two men in a truck and just a little bit about your journey. Don't be afraid to, to get a little deep into it, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, I came from pretty pretty quiet, uh, humble home. Uh, I had three brothers, so a little bit, a little bit chaotic sometimes. Uh Grew up on a farm, you know, in the middle of nowhere in the country of Ohio, uh, which kind of taught me a lot about my my uh, work ethic, you know, my family, hard workers. Um, growing up, that's all I've seen. My dad working every single day, seven days a week, you know, grinding it out, trying to, uh, trying to achieve things for us so that we could have a, a good life growing up. Um, getting past all that, uh, kind of late in my high school career, I really knew that i wanted to be a business owner that's the main thing that i wanted to do in my life however i didn't really know what the hell i wanted to do yeah. you know i was like i mean i worked in the restaurant industry for a long time and i thought this is where i want to be i want to open up a restaurant and i want to you know be a chef or be a cook and you know run my own place uh kind of fell into the trap of societal norm of you got to go to college to do anything in life yeah. so from that moment i i went to uh Community college for a few years wasn't for me. Just basically wasted a couple thousand dollars and, and just stopped going. Uh, yeah, I met Ellie, my wife. Um, we've been together for 10 years, going on 11 years now. Uh, so that's been quite the journey. She stuck with me through a lot of the ups and downs that I've had. Uh, from when I you know, was still working in the restaurant then um, to finding my career here at Two Men in a Truck, which was about seven years ago. Where from that moment, I definitely didn't think of myself as being an owner of moving companies. Um, But when I started, you know, know the conversations we had early on in the the old Chrysler, uh, driving around to in-home consultations, and kind of just kept portraying to you how I was interested in this, and this is something I wanted to do and I wanted to pursue, and um, had many opportunities, moved out to Maryland uh, with Ellie, well, without Ellie for a while moved out there. We started up our Potomac location, which was a, a, a huge learning opportunity and growing opportunity for me to, to kind of find myself, really, a lot, and uh, just become a little more diverse with, with leadership styles, growing there, and culture. You know, totally different living on the East coast than rural Ohio. Yeah. Uh, so
1: there's not a lot of goats and hogs and cows. <laughs> like, there's no farms out in the middle of Potomac, Maryland. No,
0: not so much. Nothing so nothing
1: like that. So again, Jared is extremely humble and he will not talk a lot about like, you know, how successful he has become in, in such a short time. Um, when you came in the door as a mover, right, you were making what, 10, 15 hour? Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. like, it's very minimal, especially seven years ago. And, um, I remember one time, and I think that it's funny because Erica, my wife, she'll tell you all the time that it's, it's her that found Jared for the organization. I believe we had uh, what was it like an open house or a grand opening or something, and Jared took it upon himself to just start opening up doors and shaking hands and like smiling at all the the Chamber of Commerce people that were coming in. He wasn't a manager, uh, he wasn't a team lead, he wasn't even a drive. Were you a driver? I was a driver, Maybe yeah. you were a driver at that point. But and it was just like, who is this guy going above and beyond? Um, you know so for anybody listening who's not an entrepreneur who is an entrepreneur right now always know people are always watching you mm-hmm. never know who's paying attention to what's going on because candidly without my wife saying hey look at this dude look at him shaking hands look at him going above and beyond it immediately put jared on my radar from so from then on i'm in the operations manager here like hey what's up with this guy what's he about how well does he do on the trucks is he interested in a management position right and begin to have those conversations behind closed doors Uh, that not a lot of people know happened. So somebody's always watching. Remember that. But so you progressed from mover to driver, and then you were an operations manager.
0: Yeah, well, move manager underneath our current ops manager. And then, uh, yeah, ops manager, then uh, essentially general manager of the Canton office before we moved to Potomac. Right, so he's
1: mentioned his move to Potomac a couple of times. Uh, Walk us through that. You got an opportunity to...
0: Yeah, to uh, go out and, and become a an owner operator essentially for the potomac location i remember i was actually in michigan uh at our corporate office for two men in a truck and you called me yep. you're like hey would you uh move to maryland i was like yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> you know i mean i've been waiting for that opportunity you know kind of since i started um just hearing you know the opportunities within this company and um really believed in it fell in love with the company you know and that was essentially what got me started to that that next level but uh just kind of grabbed, you know, grabbed it by the horns, and just just went with it. Everything that so came you're, my way. So
1: the, just, you know, just to kind of like circle this around, you know, you're, a, you know, you're a country boy from Ohio who comes from humble beginnings, and you were just coming to look for a labor position. You worked your way through, um, you know, the Canton, Ohio office to the point to where you know you were the guy I was looking to give an opportunity to give me an owner mm-hmm. operator somewhere. Um, walk anyone through so a lot of people from my you know just my history they get super nervous to make big changes in their lives right like I don't know how many people would tell their fiance at the time right because you yep. guys weren't married yet hey we're gonna move seven hours east to the middle of like you know a city that we're we have no we have no family we're not familiar uh, and we're gonna make it work and we're gonna make it successful so like talk to me about just you know the mentality behind that and You know, why do you think you did that? And why do you think other people won't take risks and opportunities like that?
0: Yeah, so obviously it's a huge decision to make. Um, And just a little backstory, even before when we moved, uh, yeah, Ellie was my fiance at the time. Our wedding date was set for August of that year. Uh, I moved out in January without Ellie on the year that we were supposed to be getting married. I lived out there for nine months uh, without her, uh, which was hard. She was here planning the wedding, still working full-time. But the, I think the biggest thing, it was a scary decision for sure, you know, not knowing anybody, going out there, trusting in, you know, the process that I I believed in at the time and I, you know, I wanted the opportunity to become an owner. So I just took the, you know, I just took the leap because I kept thinking to myself, you know, when's the next opportunity for me going to come around? And At that time in my life, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity being thrown my way um, anywhere else. And when this happened, I just I knew it was the right decision to do it. And if it didn't work out, you can always, you know, you can always come back home. There's not you know, it's not like for the rest of your life, you're, you're stuck here, you know. And it was the best decision that I've that I've made. To this, to this point, you know, in, this, in my career here, I don't have any doubts in that. Whether or not that worked out for us in the end is regardless, you know, regardless of that, uh, just overall for my self-growth uh, to take that, you know, take that leap to move out there was was huge. And like I said, I would just tell anybody who's, who's debating on making a decision like that, you know, think about what you want in your life. Think about where you want to be. Evaluate that. Is this going to get you to that level or is this going to be a ma- massive stepping stone to that next level? And do it. Don't be don't be afraid to do it. I mean, it's 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 hard for sure. It's hard for
1: sure. And I, mean, and I think that people get paralyzed by the fear of making big decisions, especially moving away or, you know, uh, making giant career changes or, you know, whatever it might be that will help you achieve the level of happiness or level of success that you want to achieve. We become like overly – Um, analytical, right? And we get analysis, but we get paralysis by analysis, right? We talk about that often. But at the end of the day, you know, what I hear you saying is like, look, it was just kind of like one of those opportunities to where you knew it likely wouldn't come around again. And you kind of had the understanding of like, how bad could it really be? Yeah. And I think that, you know, there are times even in my past, it's like, you know, things are really bad. And, um, you know, we kind of, we over exaggerate, worst case scenario mm-hmm. right and it's kind of like well really what is worst case scenario like is worst case scenario you have to move back to Ohio and say hey this Potomac office didn't work or is worst case scenario telling your wife or your fiance hey I gotta you know I gotta find a new job again like there's plenty of jobs there's plenty of opportunities worst case scenario is never as bad as anybody as no. anyone wants to make it out to be and it kind of sounds like you, you yeah, understood I think, that in a way I think too many people, yeah,
0: they're, they're afraid of that, you know, and they make it out to be something that's going to be detrimental to the rest of their lives, you know, and it's like, you know, something could set you back for, for a year, you know, or, or more, but that's nothing in the grand scheme of things to me. It's a blip on the radar. What's
1: yeah. one year? What's 10 years? We laugh right. all the time. Like, yep. seven years ago, you know, it, it seems like it was just yesterday that we were, you know, working, you know, Jared and I have worked a lot side by side, especially in yep. the beginning, and. Uh, growing you know our very first franchise which which ultimately was a stepping stone for a lot of people within our organization and has allowed a lot of opportunity and a lot of our expansion was was ultimately because of uh, the initial sacrifice that Jared made to go to Potomac and you know while the Potomac office didn't work out for us it's a fantastic operation still to this day it just wasn't necessarily a great fit for our um, for our team and what we were trying to achieve um, you know we ultimately made a decision to bring Jared back to Ohio and he was the general manager at our Dayton offices and you know, the ultimate goal is always to get Jared back home, and back mm-hmm. home is around the Canton area, and um, that's where Jared is now. And he's, like we said, he's become an owner-operator, and um, you know, he's he's ultimately a multi-unit franchisee. So, from mover mm-hmm. to multi-unit franchisee, you talk about changing your family tree. You talk about people in your family who look at you a little bit different now.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it was kind of annoying at the beginning, you know. Whenever you, you just start to have this kind of reputation of you know successful person, and that's all anybody wants to talk about, and you're like, yeah, I'm still the same fucking guy, you know. I just yeah. I, I I'm just you know bettering my life, bettering my family, you know. So, but yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, it's like yeah, you're just and it's it's so funny, right? You're like, well, what do you mean? Like, why is this such a big deal to you? It's a big deal because they've never seen anybody else achieve it before. Yeah. So it's almost like you are like um, a superhero in their minds, or like you have some superhuman power. And, and, you know, I know you'll be the first to say, like, you don't have any superpower. You just work your ass off. Yeah. That's it. That's that, you know, the, the, the farm boy from Ohio, that's that mentality. And I think that as an entrepreneur now, uh, that has helped you tremendously because you have zero, um, you have no, let's just say fear whatsoever of jumping on a truck, of getting your hands dirty. And all too often people, get, you know, they get to the point that you're at right now where they have equity in multiple franchises where, you know, they've they've ultimately changed their family tree and will continue to do so. And they want to sit back and they want to fucking put their feet up on the desk and say, hey, I've made it. Yeah. I've made it. So, like, what stops you from doing that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be hard for me to do that just because of where I came from, Uh, you know, and that's just not in me to do. Uh, But I don't ever want to stop. I mean, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, you know, and I know that to get there I'm going to have to give it everything that I have whether it be taking care of one of our the families that we have to move here in canton or driving up to one of my other locations and you know stepping in for an ops manager who who's out or who quit or who got fired or whatever it may be because at the end of the day you know you just have to be prepared to to lead your teams the best way that you can and and you know you're not going to be able to do that by kicking your feet up and and sitting in your desk at home collecting money uh my guys here they they respect me because of that because that's what I bring to the table you know I'm not afraid to to step out there with them and and right beside them you know and I think you know that's one of the ways that I like to to lead my guys is you know by showing them that you know I'm here with you you're not here f- for me you know we're right. here together to achieve the goals that we all want to achieve and everybody's got different goals especially in this organization some guys have you know their goals are just to just to be here for a little bit of time or to move on in two years or to continue to grow here like I did Um, but regardless you know that's the way that I want them to perceive me um, and respect me based off of you know What I give them, it's kind of the the best way that I can explain how and why I do what I do in the way that I do it.
1: It's 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 ultimately the only way to lead. It's to lead by example, right? And our mentors talk about that all the time. And um, there are plenty of books written about leadership and you know different styles and servant leadership and what's the best way to lead like different types of people and understanding their personalities. And at the end of the day, it's like, hey, lead by example. Mm -hmm. You lead in a way, and you show them the way you want things done, whether that's communication, whether that's you know like. The physicality of the job, or how to, you know, how to how to load something a certain way, whatever. it is. like you have to have the the um, the willingness to get out there and do that, because the moment that you show any increment of weakness, or that they think in any way that you look at them as less than you are, or that you think that what they do isn't important, it's a it's below you in a sense. Mm-hmm. You have automatically lost that that person. And that will spread like cancer throughout your organization. You've got to always lead from the front, and lead by example. And I think that you do a fantastic job of that. When we talk about like leadership skills, right? I mean, you know, you're in charge of. I mean, I think throughout the summertime, you've probably got 45, 50 yeah, 30, in 35
0: here. guys, yeah, yeah.
1: So, and I think we were talking before the episode started. In the moving industry, what did you say the average annual turnover rate is?
0: It's around two hundred percent. You're 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 year, year, so, so why I mean is throughout that? the So years.
1: explain to the audience why is that?
0: I mean, I think obviously a big component of it is just the demand, the general labor. It's hard work. I mean, it's it's moving furniture all day, so that has a big part of it, absolutely. Um, but you know, coupled with that, is it a good environment to work in? Because you're busting your ass every day, and it's not a good environment. That's going to lead to massive turnover for sure. um you know, I might just go into yeah. uh, something that we've achieved here, which is, has been a huge uh, opportunity for us in this office specifically to continue to assist families and make sure that our teams are set up for success. Is uh, we've probably uh, we've been right around the fifty percent uh, turnover this year, which is I've never had so, in seven years. I've never 50% had that percent,
1: so, and compared to two hundred percent.
0: Yeah, I've I've made less than. Less than half my half my team, you know, hires this year out of the 35 guys, so, which is huge. I've seen, I've, doing this for seven years, I've, I don't think I've ever achieved that, and knowing that I'm to a point in my, in my career where I know how to lead that, you know, to maintain that is, is important, and it's something that I take a lot of pride in, because, you know, you see it, you see that that mentality shift within your team whenever you have guys that have been here for a year two years four years or more and they start to build that camaraderie with each other and they care about each other and I you know as much as I do them and it just continues to build on that and it makes it everything we do in this organization run so much more smooth and I don't know it's it's it's, Really awesome to see come together.
1: Well, it's a fantastic feat, and I was almost taken back whenever you said that. I, I definitely didn't realize what the industry average was, for one, but, I mean, just in comparison to where you are. So we talked in the beginning about we have a lot of service um, service level or service provider entrepreneurs who listen to this, um, people who work in the service industry just in general who listen to this. So I want to talk about, like, tactical things. Ground level, what have you implemented over the past 18 to 24 months or however long it's been to minimize that turnover, to make, to make you like, you know, I would say the exception, not the rule in this industry.
0: Um, I'd say the biggest thing, whenever I got back your accountability for their actions and everything that they did, um, whenever you get everybody bought in on that, it, it creates just every, everybody being accountable for their own actions. They hold each other accountable. And with that, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I had to implement when I came back. Um, which made a a big impact on everybody here. Um, Along with that, it's just the processes and making, you know, a lot of people who aren't, you know, they're not in a leadership role Mm -hmm. um, and they probably don't want to be in a leadership role. They want processes and they want structure, which I was able to give them. So they felt not micromanaged or anything like that, but I set them up, here's the playbook, run this play, and we'll win, and they seen it happen, and then it kind of just fell into place for them, and they're like, wow, yeah, this is, we're better off like this, and I don't have to micromanage them. I, you know how it is. I have yep. six six crews out on a daily basis, uh, anywhere from 18 to 25 guys out and about, you know, moving throughout the city, and I'm not there with them all day, you know, so they they have to have that structure playbook accountability to be able to get through their days successfully and operate.
1: Yeah, so most people to be honest with you, I didn't expect you to go there. Right? I expected to hear things that most people would say, like, well we have a fantastic culture. We make sure that we provide lunch once a week for the guys and we make sure we have waters and we do like super cool employee things like, you know, summer outings and Christmas parties and we give like, you know, bonuses. Yeah. Which are all things that like I we know did. you do. I yeah. know you do those. But those are not what creates and maintains a positive culture uh-huh. um, you know and a foundation for growth for every individual within the organization and you can correct me if I'm wrong but on average like I you know most you know in any industry landscaping moving contracting right any like laborist type job you're normally dealing with 18 to you know maybe 30 year old dudes maybe they're a little bit older than that sometimes you know down on their luck but generally speaking, they don't come from, like, affluent backgrounds, right? They're not the guys who who have a college degree, usually. There are some. Yeah. Right? They're the guys who have just, you know, kind of been dealt a crap hand. They're looking for a job. Not a, not a, not a career. It's a job. And they're walking in this door with zero expectation of making it a career or zero expectation of, of really moving their lives forward. And we're immediately hitting them with that as soon as they walk in the door. Like, you know, our slogan are, is moving people forward. Period. Yeah. And we talk about that. I understand. You know, I know that in the interview process and whatnot. But uh, I think that what you're saying is these guys who come from these like rough backgrounds, like they actually progress and thrive in an environment where they're held accountable. Yeah. And I think most people would think the opposite. Most people would think like, "Holy crap! Like this dude's not going to listen to me. He doesn't want me to like hold him accountable or explain to him what he did wrong or like walk him through how he could be better. He just wants his paycheck and wants to get here and leave." And it's like. You know, it sounds like you have found that it's the complete opposite of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're always going to have some guys. There are some employees that come in that are like that. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's – you can – you know, I've learned over the years not to – when I interview people or whenever I bring people in, it's – you never know who who you're interviewing. And I've had people come in that I thought there's no chance this guy's like you said, going to listen or whatever. And, you know, I, I set them up they set the expectations and they just run with it. And they've, I found some people that I thought weren't going to make it. And they are some of my best employees I've ever had.
1: Yeah. You know? So in regards to just that accountability piece, I think it's so big, especially in the service industry world. um, Would you say that, you know, consistency with that is, is a struggle that you see other leaders make? Like they, they will like, you know, let's say it's January 1st or it's almost the first of the year. And it's like, Hey, here's our, you know, here's our core values. And, We're going to have biweekly meetings, and, you know, it's like you do it for a month and then it falls off. Like, is is that a common theme you see in this world? Absolutely.
0: You know, and I've been guilty of it in the past too. You know, it's – but, I mean, it is a difficult thing, and that is the most important thing is remaining consistent with your actions and what you put in place for your team. Because the moment that you don't do that, they're going to lose trust in you and lose, you know, faith that you're going to lead them in the right direction because you're telling them one thing and then not following through with it. Well, why should I follow through with what he's telling me?
1: Right. Uh, what is it I used to preach all the time? So when I was like boots on the ground or, you know, on, in all the calls, I would say, hey, we're all accountable to each other. I'm accountable to you and you're accountable to me. Mm-hmm. So if you tell me you're going to do something, you damn well better do it. And if I tell you I'm going to do something, I better, I better yeah. do it. No matter if I'm telling a mover, a driver, a GM, an owner, operator, whoever it is, it, that piece of accountability is so big. And as the leader of an organization – You cannot expect, like, I will openly tell you, I've told you, I'll tell anybody, like, hey, if I tell you I'm going to do something, hold me accountable to that. And if I don't do it, call my ass out, Mm -hmm. right? I'm humble enough to sit there and say, hey, yeah, call me out. I may not like it sometimes. You know, I may try to make up an excuse. I might try to, like, you know, like, hey, let's forget about that, it under the rug, right? Because everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you want to create a very good culture, and you especially in the service industry, you've got to make sure that everybody from the top down understands we're a team and we're all accountable to each other and every fucking goal we have across the board will never be achieved if we're not all on the same page as we progress throughout the year because once we have like that squeaky, squeaky wheel or once we have that person rowing in the different direction because we let them down we, we told them we were going to you know, just st- stuff as simple as, like, equipment on trucks. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you're, if you're in a landscaping industry, like, supplies on your truck, sharpen on the fucking blades of the mark, whatever it might be, right? If you tell your team you're going to do it, you better do it. Because something as tiny as that could literally ruin five years worth of great reputation and great leadership. Mm-hmm. The first time you lie to them or they think that you're, like, beating around the bush, it's like it's gone. Yeah. And it's just not
0: worth it. And it's not easy to gain it back. For sure, it's almost impossible. Would you say? I mean, yeah, I mean, at that point, it's it's in order to fix it. Sometimes you gotta you gotta rotate your entire staff to fix it, you know. And then don't fuck up again. Don't make that mistake again, (laughs) you know. Because you know you could just do that over and over. And I've seen that with other leaders in our organization, or you know, uh, people who I've had under me who weren't the best fit that I let go for too long, you know. And they, you know, that's one thing that I've you know been. Blessed with here with uh, my manager that I have here is he believes in the same vision that I believe in, which helps a lot. You know, when I say something or when I, you know, want to, you know, proceed with a certain tactic or whatever, he's right there with me in agreement and not going to the other employees and saying, oh, I don't believe in this. You know, this is not something that. Jared just wants to do this, yeah. you know, um, yeah. which is important to have too, uh, and and identifying that because, like I said, it, I've had people in positions that that didn't didn't have that, didn't believe in me, and they, it just it just brews a bad culture, and it You're
1: just, saying it's you know, kind of like mom and dad, right? So yeah, like you're, you're the dad. Got on right? the same page. Yeah, you're the dad here. You're the, you're the leader of the office, and. Then, you know, no offense to Seth; he's not. You're not. You're not a chick, but like, you know, Seth's the mom. Seth's the, the operations yep. manager. So what you're saying is, if you want to go a certain direction, and then your managers just disagree with that, and they don't communicate that to you, they're probably going behind your back, right, and saying that to the operations guys, right? Like they're mm-hmm. probably saying, "Hey, here's the incentive, or here's our new direction. I don't really believe in it." And so, it's like you're dead before you even start. Yeah,
0: and I guess where I was trying to go with it was identifying that and making sure that that person more than anybody else has the trust in you and don't let them down because they're your they're your number one person in your organization that everybody's going to have that you know and you will have that whether you start off with you know a landscaping business or whatever we keep using that reference but you know and it's just you with one mower eventually if you want to continue to grow that organization you're going to have to bring in people and find people that you trust to do the job that you expect but finding that person and building that trust with that person because that person likely will become your right-hand man yep. and the person that you're going to ride with through, you know, to glory. To, to glory or to <laughs> a crash and burn, <laughs> or, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one or the other. They,
1: they've got to be there with you. No, so finding that person is probably difficult, right? For sure. I know, and whenever I work with, you know, just like, um, you know, within like consulting or mentoring people, uh, a lot of times I find people just are, you know, they're struggling to grow because they, they don't, They're afraid to delegate or they Mm -hmm. have no one to delegate to. So I try to work through like helping them identify, you know, just like key type characteristic traits for people that would be a good fit for Mm -hmm. whatever the industry may be. And it's super difficult to walk somebody through that. Um, And I can imagine it's difficult for you, right? I mean, I know we've been through several managers and, um, you know, it's finding the right ones is a struggle, but just in regards to like, I think so. Like I said, being boots on the ground, you're here. You're doing it every day. I know a lot of service industries right now, especially manual labor, they're struggling with recruiting. So mm-hmm. what are you doing here at this office? Because my understanding is you're not struggling for staff. If you do bring in interviews, what are some characteristics that you're looking for immediately for a laborer?
0: Yeah, positive mindset, attitude. It's the number one thing that I look for. If you come in and you're sitting in the in the chair at the front office waiting for me to bring you back into my office and I say hey, how's it going today oh, I'm tired <laughs> well you might as well walk out the door you know uh, that's the number one thing and that's the number one thing that I preach to every every one of my employees is don't come in here with a bad attitude because um, that is just going to be the number one factor into having you know a positive culture and environment so if that's the first thing that I evaluate with people is their attitude um, and their, their willingness to be open and kind of about themselves it's hard for people to do that Um, and I don't necessarily hold that against people because it's sometimes very intense being in an interview regardless of how casual the interview may seem this is still a you know prospective employer who's you know gonna make you money or not make you money you know and and if you're hurting and you need the money you're you're gonna be stressed out about the interview so I don't hold that but um, I really try to dig into them and see you know how open are you going to be with me and how are, you know, about your life? You know, like, what do you like doing? You know, things like that. And if they're uh, just like, I just like to be a hard worker, yeah. you know, and I'm like, alright right. I get that. And I appreciate that. But, you it's know, like, hey,
1: we're a little bit everybody th- says that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, like I, I care. Like, we're we're going to ca- actually care about you here. So when I'm asking you about things that you like, like I, I'm just genuinely curious. Like, yeah. There's no wrong answer. Right. right.
0: Yeah. And they, a lot of guys, they, they hate it. They're like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. You know? Well, bro,
1: do they hate it? Bec- they hate it because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's
0: uncomfortable to them.
1: It's uncomfortable. And then that's sad because that just tells you that, like, not only do people in their lives likely not take an interest in them like that, but every other employer that they've been to have never taken an interest in them like that. Yeah. Because it's generally speaking, just like, you know, dude, it's just like like anything else. It's just like it's a numbers game, right? Like, most of these laborers type positions or anyone who's looking for general laborers they're you know it's like as many many hogs as I can bring through the farm I'm going to freaking brand them and put them on a you know put them out in the field and let them go do the work Yeah. They don't care about anything else and i think that you know just from a leadership perspective like that's one area especially in the service industry that entrepreneurs have got to get better at because yeah. i think what were we talking about i said hey dude what do you think and this is a genuine question i said what do you think the dollar amount is that would cause someone to like leave and go look for another job? Is it one dollar an hour, two dollars an hour, three dollars an hour? I don't know what that number is, but I can tell you I would bet a ton of money if you got like laborers leaving your organization to go, to go make a dollar or two dollars more an hour. Um, you likely have a really bad culture. Yeah. And you're likely not doing the stuff Jared's talking about, like showing interest, asking deeper questions, um, which are all things that are super important. To maintain, you know, a level of success, I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they have to know you care. Yeah, right. I mean, at the end of the day, um, whenever you're talking about like, you know, I look for a positive attitude. Some people might roll their eyes and like, oh yeah, that's a corny answer. Everybody yeah. says that, but it's like at the end of the day, like, and I know you believe this. Like, you can teach them anything else.
0: Yeah, if like, you're willing to, and you, ha- and that, that, it all comes from there. That's why it's yeah, it could be a corny answer, whatever, but. If you have a positive attitude and a willingness to learn, you're good. You can sky's do anything you
1: want in life. Yeah, sky's the limit.
0: But if you come in with a negative-ass attitude about the job or like, I don't know, this is – it's, it's kind of just a job for me. Um, I don't know, whatever. Well, I mean, then that's what you're going to get out of it, you know. Yeah. But I, when I came in here, I never knew this is what I was going to do. Uh, day one, when I walked in, you were sick as hell, and <laughs> you came out, you're like coughing and sneezing, and, uh, you know, but you still got up there, talked about the vision you had, yeah. what you what you saw, you know, I walked into an office that didn't even have a piece of furniture in it, and I didn't even know if I was in the right place, but... Um,
1: Did it still have a tanning bed in it?
0: I think in the back, yeah, yeah. and at like a, a, a toilet that was out of the bathroom that they remodeled that was just sitting there, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, and... It kind of just, no matter where I've been here, other loca- other other areas, uh, I just give it my hundred percent. Whether that's going to be my career or not, I'm going to give it everything I have and learn as much as I can from that business. Yeah. And that's kind of what I try to preach to my guys too, you know. And, and I know you, you know, that kind of stemmed from what we do in moving people forward. You know, we we want to move people forward in every way. But I just, I've always had that mentality myself. But I try to teach other people that. Yeah. Because, you know, and I get, I've heard from people, well, not everybody's like you. I'm like, well, you can be. Because I'm no different than you. Yeah. I just have shifted my mindset to giving it 100% and doing whatever I can to make it work for me in the position that I'm in. Because, like you said at the beginning, we're no different than anybody else who's right. in this organization right now. The only thing we've done differently is bust our ass. Yep. And, you know, it's, that's what I try to instill in people is, like, you get what you get give you know what you give is what you get and that's the way that i like to 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 lead my guys to and let them know that you know you're not a number you're going to get what you give me if you come in and you show up on time in uniform ready to go every single day you're going to get the hours you're going to get the opportunity for for long distance moves you're going to get the opportunity to grow first you know and become a leadership role the new roles we were talking about earlier um show me those things and and give it your all that's that's all that anybody's asking for you know
1: and that all starts with communication. That's all that it is. Like is. Mm-hmm. You're, you're communicating that to them. You're telling them the expectations and accountability, right? It's it's all encompassing. It all comes back to what you talked about in the beginning, right? And, yep. and they would never know this. Like, you know, hey, why aren't I getting more hours? Or why does this guy get to go like to Florida for this big job or whatever it might be? And it's like you as their leader are setting the, st- the stage for communication. Open door. Ask me questions. We're here to, to answer them, right? Like there's no there's no secrecy behind what we do and how we do it. Because again, it's about making sure everybody's rowing in the same direction. Yep. And the, the one time you got some dude thinking he's getting slighted, it's like, no, like, you know, Jared and I know Jared's team, they're constantly communicating expectations. Here's how we're going to go do it. Here's the playbook, right? It's definitely not, um, you know, I know you're not just getting up there and like, just throwing mud at the wall and seeing what sticks. It's very well thought out. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, if you listen and run the play, we will execute and we will win. If you don't, Hey, we probably won't win. And the, the honest answer is, you probably won't be here, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I think that we need to hit on that a little bit too. We've talked a lot about like the fluffy side of, you know, general laborers and people in the service industry and, you know, what we look for in hiring and having great accountability. But like, what do you do when you got that that wayward soul that's just like, yeah, no, fuck off, I'm not doing any of this? Yeah. I mean, how, how many opportunities do you give them? How quickly are you terminating them? Like, you know, to walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a big uh,
0: opportunity for any new leader coming in. Is you're going to have those those moments that are extremely difficult, and you cannot be afraid to make the decision that's best for your company because it's going to only hurt you. I've I know you've called me and said, Jared, what are you doing? This guy's been here way too long, man. I don't know what's going on. You know, but I think that not just Having the conversation with them, yeah, you should be fair and firm with, and and consistent. The firm, fair, consistent with your accountability to the team. You know, letting somebody run over you for time or time after time after time is is going to have a bad effect on on your overall business. Making that decision, whether it be tough or not, I've had to, I've had to let go guys that were I looked at as my friends. You know, yeah. we worked together for years. They were my em- employees, but uh, they became really close, and I cared about them. I cared about their families. And at the end of the day, they weren't getting the job done the way that I expected it to be. And I had several conversations with them, and I'd have to let them go. And those are tough tough things to do. And as much as I wanted to sit there and say, "Well, I, I care about this guy. I don't want to let him go." It's November, December. It's right before Christmas. Yeah. It is what it is at the end of the day, because you're in this, you know, ultimately you started a business to change your family tree, to try to better your life. And that's what you have to look at, you know, and, and we've walked into other locations that we've bought that had that kind of, we're doing this and these people are here because they've been here forever. Yeah. Not because they're doing a good job, you know, and I think, I don't know, you just got to just got to rip the Band-Aid off and just move on sometimes. And it's tough. But,
1: I mean, it's a decision that has to be made at the end of the day. So Yeah. You know, I, know. I hate it. I still hate it. Oh, it's horrible. You know? It's one of the worst things in the world to have to fire somebody. And you can always find an excuse. Like, oh, it's, it's November or it's Christmas time. Yep. Or, hey, I know this dude's kid's birthday is next week. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, one of the things that I've always tried to, like, just ingrain into everyone that I lead or that I mentor's head is, like, look, at the end of the day – if you're not the sole owner of the organization, and even if you are the sole owner of the organization, it's, it's their family or yours, okay? So yep. if you are an entrepreneur or if you're like, you know, Jared's an owner right now, but, you know, anyone on Jared's team right now that isn't meeting expectations, I know without a doubt in my mind, Jared will ensure that either they get up to speed or we move them forward onto their next opportunity because at the end of the day, Jared understands they are going to prevent him from, in this organization from achieving success which ultimately affects his livelihood it's the same thing as as like the the, the 100% owner in an organization if you got a, a manager on your team or you got like your right hand man who's just not accomplishing and doing what they need to do it's going to prevent you from achieving what you want to achieve and at the end of the day i just never understood that mentality like you care about that dude and his family more than you care about yeah, your more than you do wife your own family and yeah like so what are you doing make the decision right Mm -hmm. if they're not a good fit the quicker we get them out the better
0: and it's better for them too so if they're not a good fit for you they're likely not going to go anywhere in your organization you're just holding them back at the same time and if you think about it like that you know that this is going to open a door for them you know and it may hurt now but it's going to be better for them in the long run
1: right long term right and and we've had to have conversations like that like hey listen you know like we we think you're a great person you're a great human being I know especially on the sales side yeah you care you try at the end of the day this just isn't for you mm-hmm. and it's not fair for us to hold you back from you going to find what you're going to be good at yeah right and that's our job and I think as leaders in any organization your job is to not be selfish and want them to stay with you forever your job is to not hold them back from achieving what they should ultimately be achieving your job is to move them forward either in your organization or onto their next opportunity. Because yep. the more selfish we are as entrepreneurs and the more selfish we are just like, you know, with our time. Because I think a lot of times what happens, bro, is that like you got a shitty manager, right? Let's say your manager here is like not doing a good job. He's not showing up, whatever it might be. If you're going to get rid of that guy, that's going to add to your workload, right? Yeah. Right. So who wants to add to their workload? Huh. The answer is no one. It's a right? tough, tough decision. Right, so so all too often people are like, uh, you know, I'm gonna hang onto this guy because if I don't hang onto this guy, then I got to get up at 7 a.m. and yeah. I got to go in and I got to do that. And it's like that is like that is death yeah. to your organization.
0: Well, that's the beautiful thing that we do is we intentionally do that to ourselves by moving people out of our organizations to better their lives. Like what we're do what we Very do. True. We intentionally, you know, here in a month, uh, my manager who's here is moving to our new location that we're opening. Well, guess what? I'm the guy up now. You know, I have to step in until I find somebody to, to step in for him. But we intentionally do that to ourselves, you know, yeah. on a you know year over year. But so it's nothing, you know, it's nothing yeah. for us to have to do that. But I think that you have to understand that, you know, it's. Well, yeah, because at the end of the day. How long is that going to go on, you know? Forever.
1: Oh. It would go on forever unless you stopped it, right? Yeah. And that's why I said it equals death because at, at some point it will stop your business from growing and achieving what it should achieve. Mm-hmm. And, Yeah, you're 100% right. So, you know, Jared is moving his manager forward and moving him into an opportunity to change his family tree. And that was all Jared's decision. Jared could have easily said, hey, yeah, I don't really have anybody here, Josh. Go find somebody else. Because Jared's life will get very hard over Mm -hmm. the next three months until he finds a replacement. But at the end of the day, it's what's right for this organization and it's what's right for For the individual. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's about him. It's about them not us right yeah. i know we got a lot you got a lot to do today i don't want to take up a bunch more of your time but just let everyone know from you know especially again we're hitting on the service industry stuff how important is customer experience and and i'd like you to dive a little bit deeper here because i think that everybody gets stuck on helping the customers who actually like use your service and it's like those are the only customers we care about yeah walk us through the mentality of anyone and everyone, and right, and what we talk about from an experience standpoint.
0: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you have to look at your entire, wherever you're at, whatever city you're in, everybody in that city is your your customers. It's, it's no matter what you do, when you're out at the grocery store wearing a two-men-in-a-truck hat, everything that you do, they're your customers. And uh, so when you have that closed mindset of, you know, well, if they call in and they need my service, then, you know, whatever. But you have to the customer experience goes beyond even that it's, it's anytime you step outside into your city. And like I said, at a grocery store, that's a customer experience that they're going to be looking at. Um, I think it was probably six years ago. You sent me a picture of like Molly maids or something. I don't know if that was it. It was a maid company and they were standing outside smoking cigarettes right in front of their car. And you're like Mm. this perception, you know, of what you do, but the customer experience is, is the number one. I mean, you have to, take care of your customers, you know. Like I said, it goes beyond just the customers that call in, but creating, we talk a lot about creating wow factors for our customers um, when we're out on the jobs, you know, making sure that, you know, you're cleaning up after yourself. You're not leaving pop bottles all over the place or whatever it may be. That's the little stuff that that you just should be doing anyway. Um, But whenever, you know, if a customer, I tell my guys all the time, whenever a customer, if a customer needs something from you, if it's in the realm of, you know, like something that's reasonable, yeah, do it. I mean, put put their van seats up if they need you to because it's an older woman and she needs help putting her van seats up. Or if she asks if you can run this bag of trash out to her curb, why would you not do it, Yeah, you know? Um, that is the stuff that not enough people do. They come in, they do their job, they leave. But I expect all of my guys – to go above and beyond every single time they're out at a customer's house. And whether it's moving one couch or moving three trucks down to Florida, this, they all deserve the same treatment.
1: The same treatment. No, matter, no what. matter what. Yeah, and I think that you know one of the things that I, I'd like to add to that, because I know that, I know that we talk about it often is, you know, so our conversion rate's about 50%, mm-hmm. right? If we get 100 phone calls in, in a day, 50% of those people are going to go on our schedule. What gets lost in translation is the experience that the other 50% who did not Mm -hmm. use your services have the perception that they have of you and your company. Because those 50 people are going to go talk about their experience or they're going to go tell the story of why they didn't choose two men in a truck or why they didn't choose your company. Right. So I know that. You do a very good job of constantly preaching that, like, to your CSRs and your salespeople, that yeah. even if they're not using us, it doesn't. The experience still matters because, because what I mean, because they're going to go talk to four or five other people, yep. and while we may be too expensive for for them, it doesn't mean we're too expensive for their aunt, their uncle, their best friend, their four cubicle partners within their building, right? So, it, so yeah. even the ones who aren't using us, right? Even your quote unquote non-customers, it's like what is their experience and if, how are you analyzing that
0: if they you know like you said if they were too expensive for them maybe whatever you still want them to say i wish i could have used two men in a truck because you know that was the experience i wanted it just wasn't in the cards for me at that time but you want them to have that that you know look about you that they you know everybody should be like man you're you're honored to be able to use them because they're the best you know in every way you know and it's it's more than one thing for sure like you said it starts from when they first call in. it starts from before they call in. it starts from like i said the perception that you give our guys feeling up at the gas station in the morning it's that perception all the time because anybody is a prospective customer of yours they will need your service at one point in their lives you know and it's really almost you can look at almost any industry lawn care painters Concrete people, whatever. Right. Everybody's gonna need that service at some point, or know somebody that needs that service at some point in their
1: life. Right. Not very. I mean, I think that that's gold, and I hope that any service entrepreneur, any entrepreneur at all that's listening to this, like I know you got a nugget out of this. Um, some of the leadership stuff that Jared hit on, just the boots on the ground type decisions and attitude that you have to have to run a successful organization. Um, he's talked about. And we could probably sit here and talk for three or yeah. four hours and talk about leadership and the things that, that you do here, you know, on the ground and in the office. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, this is, Jared is the guy who's doing it, right? He's he's growing and he's growing industries. He's going, he, you know, he runs $4 million. You know, I think you'll probably be right about $4 million yeah. within the next two years, right? So uh, if you have questions, if you if you would like Jared to dive into a little bit more about recruiting or about communication or, sales processes right like this guy's doing it all and, and we'll definitely link his um your instagram handle um in, into the show notes here and then obviously facebook is just your name yeah right? yeah right so uh reach out to jared as always reach out to me fantastic conversation dude this, thanks was, man this was better than i expected you you do got a little gold in that head up there here. so <laughs> um all this time we just spent together just might have paid off a little bit yeah no, maybe. super fun thank you for being here and uh Appreciate you having me. No no problem at all. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the More Than Entrepreneur podcast.
0: Be sure to follow Josh on Instagram at the underscore Josh Payne and subscribe to never miss a podcast by visiting thejoshpayne.com.